Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. Today, we are welcoming Tara Bentley, the Executive Director of the Indiana Association of Home Educators. I've actually known Tara from a distance for several years. We kind of run in the same online homeschool circles. Um, And I was really thrilled when she agreed to write an endorsement for my book. And now here she is today, which is even more exciting for me. Um, Tara and her husband, Mark, first entered the homeschooling world in 2001. And she'll tell us a little bit more about that as we get started. And they homeschooled both of their daughters um, all the way through to high school graduation. Um, In addition to Tara's role now with the Association of Home Educators, Mark and Tara have both been active in their local homeschooling community, and they consider it a blessing to serve and encourage others. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be a part of this. We are so excited that you said you could come on and join us today. You know what? If you guys could see Tara, you would see that she has beautiful blue nails right now and they're just <laughs> gorgeous. And I wish you could see, but you can't. Tara, Sorry, guys. I, I know, right? Yeah. I personally am so excited because I don't, I do not know much about you at all. So I love these interviews. But first, tell us a little bit more about your family, your husband, and your two girls. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband, Mark, and I, we are both from Ohio, even though we've now lived in Indiana, wow, since um, 1998. But we are Ohio people born and bred, even though we've crossed (laughs) the state line. Um, So he works for a financial company. And my two girls are both now, like you said, homeschool graduates. Mm -hmm. The oldest is married and has two little boys. And my youngest um, has also left. We're we're empty nesters. Um, My youngest managed to go out and buy a home in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) all on her own. So wow. There you go. Wow. (laughs) How old are they now? Yeah. Oh, no, you cannot test me on this. (laughs) Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) I may have shiny blue nails, but when it comes to knowing my own age, I don't have that skill, let alone anyone else (laughs) around me. Right. Like once they turn 21, you shouldn't have to count anymore. That's That's true. That's true. So they're probably somewhere in their 20s, right? Roughly. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll call it good on that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. Um, but I know we recently had a phone conversation and you told me at that point that you actually were not lifelong homeschoolers, that you actually pulled your kids out when your older daughter was in middle school and, yes. um, and your younger daughter as well. So what prompted that decision? Well, I'll tell you what, I never, ever, ever planned on being a homeschool mom mm-hmm. ever. 
Um, I remember never. God has a way of getting around that, doesn't he? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so my girls are seven years apart. And so when my oldest was approaching school age, I had a friend that I had gone to church with and we were, um, you know, we've been in youth group together and her son was one year older. And when she said that she was going to homeschool, I grilled her. I couldn't understand. You are one of those. I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand why you're doing this. There's this yellow bus that will show up and take your child for the day. And I just, that's what you're supposed to do. And so when my oldest, um, reached, well, she actually, she was a September birthday. Mm. So in Ohio, the end of September, um, as long as you turn five before the end of September, you can mm-hmm. enroll. So she was actually the youngest in her class at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but we enrolled her in kindergarten. It really, it really went okay. It went well. Um, I volunteered at the school. I was very active with her, very active in everything that she was doing. And so I would say maybe, I don't know if we had stayed in Ohio, we'd that life just would have continued on that way. But we didn't stay in Ohio. We came here to Indiana and we're, we came out of a suburb with um, a large school district, large opportunities. And we came into a rural area, which I love and adore and never plan to leave. But the school didn't have all the options for her. She was very, um, I I hesitate to use the word gifted, but she was just a voracious reader. She was always at the top of her class. And over time, being at the top of her class, but being the youngest student, just started to create some issues. And we were dealing with some bullying. um, And that was pre-social media. So I cannot imagine the number of families now who, what they have to deal with in public schools with bullying. So all that to say, my youngest was still preschool age, but at the end of my daughter's sixth grade year, I just realized that not only was that something that I didn't want to continue, mm-hmm. um, I started hearing about a lot of the behaviors that were happening in the middle school mm-hmm. and kids were getting hall passes to go to the bathroom to have sex. No, I believe it. Oh my my gosh. gosh. And this was, this was 20 years ago. Uh And when I would mention it to other parents, uh, Mm -hmm. we were on the swim team and the response from most of these parents was just like, Oh, I knew that happened in the high school. I didn't realize it had reached the middle school. Yeah. And there was just this resignation. Wow. I could not fathom. I just couldn't. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so we started looking at other options. Um, and again, in our area, you know, I, I thought my, my first thought was of course, Oh, find a Christian school. Yeah. Schools around us, um, were the only private schools were Catholic schools. Um, and it wasn't in our budget anyway. Mm. So I thought, okay, I can homeschool for two Mm -hmm. years. Totally. Temporary thing, (laughs) right? I, all I have to do is get over this hump of not putting her in that middle school. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was going to be temporary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 20 years later, you're calling the year later, right? (laughs) So she came, we started off her seventh grade year in 2001, nine 11, like all of these things were happening in the world. And my youngest, we would take her up to the, um, little preschool up the street for a couple of days a week. And, 
um, I could concentrate on homeschooling seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Jumping in in the middle was a challenge. And again, this was supposed to be temporary, but by the time we got to Christmas break, um, it was really hard. We were struggling. Mm. My youngest didn't want to go back to preschool. So she's my preschool dropout. <laughs> preschool. Um, but that first year was hard. It was very hard, but I'm very grateful that, um, for whatever reason, God laid it on my heart to commit to two years. Cause I don't know if I had not made that commitment that we would have lasted. Yeah. That we would have kept going because it's hard. Yeah, it is hard Mm -hmm. and jumping in in the middle. What about what were some of your biggest challenges, would you say? Well, I would multiple things. Um, I would say my first biggest thing was we were jumping in in the middle and we made some curriculum choices that were not the best for us, but you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Don't we all do that? Right. For a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I basically had picked a curriculum that I just was so overwhelmed in that first year. And I just picked an online curriculum and that put her in front of a computer for, you know, six, seven hours Mm -hmm. a day in front of a computer, no interaction. She's super social and we need, she needed more one-on-one and I just kind of had blinders on just trying to make it work. Yeah, And we also had, uh, struggle getting connected with a local group. Hmm. Um, you know, back then there weren't as many groups in my local area and we had, there was also this situation of back then, a lot of people in my community, they were only homeschooling in elementary years. So they had deep connections in their local Mm. groups at the younger ages, but people weren't jumping in, in the middle. Hmm. And so to, to build relationships um, in the middle school years was hard because many people back then were putting their kids in for middle school and high school. At that really horrible time that you learned about (laughs) they're putting their kids in the school, right? (laughs) Absolutely. But I don't think there wasn't always the mentality of I can do it through high school. Yeah. The curriculum choices weren't out there um, as many to get people through high school. Now it's, you know, so many options. Right. Yeah. Or even just the, you know, can I actually homeschool all the way through all the way through my girl go to college or something? Right. Because it was possible back then, but it wasn't as obvious, I think, as it is now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, What about some of the greatest blessings as you went along and stayed beyond two years? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, so many things. you know, being able to watch the light bulb go on with your children when they get something, when they're no longer struggling, um, is wonderful. And also for us, my husband back then was working retail. So anyone who's ever worked retail (laughs) knows weekends mean nothing. Um, holidays mean nothing. And so we could do school when he was working and we didn't do school when he was home Mm. and just to be able to focus on the family versus one of us came down the road. Yeah. I think that's probably the best, you know, Mm. redeeming the time that you have as a family. I agree. Spending all that time somewhere else um, and just focusing on their individual needs and letting them fly, letting Mm -hmm. them fly where, where they can and, you know, meeting the need if they're challenged on something. Yeah. Isn't that such a hard question to sum up because there's so many blessings. 
There are so many blessings. Well, and especially for me now as an empty nester, yeah. to look back and go, wow, I, I could have lost all those years right. and hours. Oh my goodness. Because it goes so fast, doesn't it? I mean, you probably heard this saying, you know, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're not empty nesters, but I have a married daughter and an adult daughter at home. And Jenny has two adult kids living at home, but it's different now. <laughs> it is yeah. different. I can't boss them around anymore. <laughs> what, yep. what are those girls doing now? What paths, paths did they take? Where are they now? What are they doing? Well, let's see. So my oldest, um, went to college and she actually was a Spanish major, but you know, like many other people, she didn't end up working in her field <laughs> with her degree, but that's okay. Yep. Um, she actually worked at the creation museum for a oh, number of years. So fun. Yes. So, um, and then was set up on a blind date at the creation museum. She's going to love that. I'm sharing all this. <laughs> Juicy. Okay. We could send our single kids down to the creation museum, Jenny. Maybe Let's that's where they can it. find their spouses. Yeah. She got married and now lives down in a different part of Kentucky. Hmm. So from the time she has been down there, she's had a couple different jobs. She currently actually is an editor um, content editor for Forbes. Um, wow. So yes. So that I'll tell so you what, cool. all the rod and staff and sentence <laughs> diagramming. <Yeah. laughs> that off. You heard Paid it off. here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> yes. No better grammar, Eng English grammar and uh, program. Yeah. So there you go. There's a testimonial oh, for that. There you go. And, and she's got two little boys. You said two little boys. Yeah. How old are uh, they? Yeah. Okay. So they're um, not 21. So you have to know their ages. They're not 21. So I have to know their age. Man, I'm going to fail again. Three and four. Yeah, three and four. Five, three and five. Three, three and five. five. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then my youngest, actually, she did, at, she was adamant. She was not going beyond high school. She was not going to college. Um, so she did a handful of things, but now she actually works in a local tax office. Um, and she's a payroll specialist and mm. has been working there for many years. So, and obviously she bought a house on her own. Uh, I have to, I'm so proud of her. Wow. <laughs> that is so great. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's not that college is a bad thing, but I think, you know, your daughter and our kids are just living proof that there are multiple pathways to take to have yeah. a successful adult life. That's, that is the truth. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I know for me, I finished my college degree, um, late, like it was something I did later in life okay. and I have a beautiful framed print on my wall <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. you know, and my oldest, you know, she went to college and that was the experience she wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the right path for her, uh -huh. but she went in 2007, right. Just as the college bubble started bursting yeah. across the country. So yeah. With my youngest, I was very open to her doing what was right for her. And I never wanted her to be in the position to take on debt when it wasn't something that exactly. she necessarily saw herself doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is so important. Mm -hmm. So they graduated. They're mm -hmm. adults. You're a grandma now. This is awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you decided to stick around the homeschool world and you didn't leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> which yeah. is awesome. And so you've become like a Titus two homeschooler. Um, why did you stick around? And what was, what was some of the first things you did right after your younger graduated? You know, God just laid a path before me um, because I'm sure if you have people who are listening and maybe their youngest is, you know, getting ready to hit that milestone, maybe they're approaching being an empty nester or yeah. graduating their kids. I didn't know. I did not know what was going to happen. Um, I had always kind of worked part time from home, but as I was approaching my youngest daughter's graduation, I just was really open, open to wondering, well, what is going to be next? Yeah. And I actually ended up, God had arranged just some very unique conversations, um, with someone, someone I became friends with. And at the same time, I ended up interviewing for two different jobs <laughs> at the same time, one outside of the homeschool community and one inside the homeschool community. I'm still volunteering with my state organization. Um, but I was offered these two jobs mm -hmm. on the same day, wow. actually within wow. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Within an hour. And it was just, it was amazing. But God had really opened a door. I ended up doing um, social media and marketing for a national homeschool magazine. Mm. So I just, I just really felt blessed that I knew, I knew the conversations that had taken place in order to make all of that happen, to bring up about that opportunity for me, that that was a God thing. And yeah. I just always felt very grateful that I got to stay in the homeschool community and in the homeschool homeschool world. And I just was continuing to volunteer with my state organization. Um, so through my youngest graduation. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Ahead, you know, we always talk about Tina and I, because here we are, our kids mm -hmm. are graduated. But it's not, you know, and we knew right off the bat in our hearts that we were going to stay in this thing, mm -hmm. I, you know, we're just called to do it. And, right. um, and we say that just like you said, you know, if you, there's so many moms out there who, who should have a voice, who should be doing what we're doing, who should be out there, you know, just helping other parents come to it. But yeah, I love it. It's so great. I wish I had little kids sometimes, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to being a grandma someday. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and yeah. I don't know how there are some moms out there who are able to pour into the homeschool community and, you know, blogging and writing and doing mm -hmm. all kinds of different things while their kids are still young. <sighs> and for me, I was doing some of that, yeah. but it, your capacity opens up too. Yes. And if you're, if your life allows for you to do that and to pay back, to pay back the blessing of all the work of the people who went before me, yes. who then basically allowed my family to have this opportunity. Yeah. I want to pay that back. Yeah. I, you know, that is so true because, you know, so you started homeschooling in 2001. Um, mm -hmm. our oldest kids were born in 2001. So we were, we're in that whole, you know, two thousands thing, yep. but the pioneers from the eighties and nineties, they set the stage and we have to carry that torch on. So absolutely. Yeah. I remember sitting at a home homeschool conference at, maybe it was last year. I don't know, but, uh, you know how Christopher Perrin always does the stand up. If you've been homeschooling for one year, two years, three years or whatever <laughs> it is. Right. And then it became, um, well, and classically educated, I think is what he was talking about. But, um, and then it was like 10 years or more or something. And all of the people were standing. And mm. I remember him saying, look around the room. Here's the thing. We are all able to do it. 
he, he's like, I'm not just a, you know, it's not just me. It's, it's all of you as well, but you're right. Yes. We did do that stuff when our kids were home, but now, now we have the time yeah. and, and it's just in us, right? We, we have that ability to pour out through the day and take special time, right. but so good. When did you join I A H E? I know it's a lot of vowels. I wanted to make sure. And it's not really an acronym. You can't really say I. You guys, I was literally when you yeah. were talking, thinking, okay, I'm going to try to do it without that, but nope, I'm not. I don't even know. I A H E. And in I A H E. Yes. So uh, actually, so we in our state we have regional reps, and so my husband and I were serving as regional reps. Um, since about 2011. So in that role, we would answer um, phone calls and emails from families looking to get connected, help them, you know, get started, point them to local groups. So we had done that for several years before I, uh, before we were asked to join the board of directors. Hmm. So we joined the board of directors in, I think 2013. Hmm. Um, so I was doing that again when I was still able to take on this other job doing social media and around 2000, what well, was 2015 when uh, they actually asked me to become the executive director. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, I've been the managing editor for the magazine, done different things, but yeah, since 2011, that's 10, that's 10 years. See, that's math I can do. <laughs> You're one up on me. <laughs> so what kinds of things do you do as the executive director? Cause this is a statewide organization, right? It covers yes. homeschoolers across the state of Indiana. Yes. So, you know, it's funny that, you know, it's kind of hard to answer that question because I do whatever needs to be done yeah. <laughs> at that moment. Um, but we, you know, Primarily, my goal is on building teams. We have great volunteers from across the state. So our work as a state organization covers everything from we we do publish a magazine. um, We have a website full of great content for our families. We used to have a great annual convention and Mm -hmm. see maybe next year we'll be back doing that. Um, And we watch legislation. So we are active uh, reading bills legislatively. We, we lobby, we connect with families. I, we do media interviews. Mm. So whatever needs to be done, um, helping families, helping families, having trouble, uh, withdrawing their children where schools try to tell them you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And we have to go to the school and go, no, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, we will, we'll talk to employers, um, who say, no, your diploma is not valid when a homeschool graduate tries to get in and we'll go to them and we'll explain the law and, you know, explain how it is valid. It is a valid option. So helping train our volunteers, helping answer questions for families, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, Tara, we have listeners um, from around the country, and it's often helpful to remind folks that the homeschool law in every state is unique. And really, I hit that because some new homeschooling families don't understand that it's not just all one one and done, Um, that 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 homeschool law is a state responsibility, not a federal one. How long has homeschooling been legal in Indiana? How did that law come to be? Well. 
Great question. (laughs) (laughs) So let's all start by saying it was always legal, Mm. Um, right? Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) he homeschooled himself right here. Amen and amen. That's Um, true. That's very true. So it is true. We actually, it's home. The word homeschool doesn't even exist in Indiana code. Hmm. So it is we kind of are hidden, which has been beneficial to us. So homeschoolers in our state are actually defined as non-public, non-accredited with less than one employee. So we're less than one employee. (laughs) This is important. It didn't used to be important, but it is now important. (laughs) Um, In a pre-pandemic world, we didn't really need to worry about that word, that little phrase. Um, But we have court cases basically Mm -hmm. that have um, established and reaffirmed this right. So, you know, we have a court case going back to 1904. We have a court case from the 1980s where Mm -hmm. Indiana courts have basically just solidified that this is a legal option that, um, you know, we're following compulsory school age and that the local school districts have no jurisdiction over us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know that Indiana is I think probably one of the best states to homeschool because yep. your provisions in the, in the the law or the guidelines or whatever you want to call it. Tell us what are some of the provisions that you guys follow or that you don't have to follow? <laughs> yes, that we don't have to follow. So number one, um, there is no registration. There's no letter. There's no letter of intent. You, the school or the state doesn't have to know that you're homeschooling at all. Yeah. Um, so we're absolutely <laughs> one of the freest. They cannot tell us what to teach. Um, so one of the phrases is that we are to provide to provide an equivalent education, but the state has no authority to define the word equivalent. Mm, uh, so you do your due diligence. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you do what is best for your child. Yeah. Yes. Um, we are under compulsory school um, laws. So from the age that your child turns seven to I think um, 18. Mm-hmm. So it, it's late. So I'm sorry if I'm not getting that exactly right, but yeah. Um, and then you have to, and you have to track attendance for the same number of days that your local school district, um, is in session. Hmm. So we always used to kind of shorthand that. And a lot of people will still say, oh, 180 days. And that's a good average, but it's important to know for our families that it is actually tied to your local district. Hmm. And again, it only became important last year because Mm -hmm. in a pandemic, Um, Our governor had put out a waiver that some school districts chose to take to shorten their calendar and some school districts did not. And so while no one was really worried about us, we (laughs) always, always, always advocate for following the letter of the law. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't give them anything more than what you really legally have to. Correct. Right. And you, but you do exactly what you should. Exactly. Even though, you know, I I guess I'm just the type of person that if it's the middle of the night and you're driving out in the cornfields and there's a stop sign, and even if there's no one around, (laughs) I stop at a stop sign. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I, I follow the homeschool law the same way. That is good. So it's interesting. You have to follow the number of days of the district where you reside but you mentioned that the local district has no authority over you. I know it's this weird, it's just this weird little thing. And most people, like I said, 
no one has ever been challenged on this. I'm not saying that anyone will be challenged on this, Mm -hmm. but again, you're the, you're the one who loves your child the most. Mm -hmm. You are their biggest advocate and you have to be a wise steward of your child's education and all the things. Mm -hmm. So it's just a simple little thing. Um, and we just follow, just follow the law. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have there been challenges through the years to the homeschooling freedoms that Hoosiers enjoy. (laughs) She's been waiting all night to say that word. (laughs) Wait, let me just tell you guys, this is funny because Tina came with our, I'm holding a piece of paper with some questions on and we have a couple minutes to look ahead. I didn't look ahead right away, but I was glad I did. And we came to that word Hoosiers. And I said, I am so glad that I looked ahead because if I would have got to that question and I would have read the sentence and then I would have came to the years to the homeschooling freedom that Hoosiers enjoy. (laughs) I never knew Hoosiers was a thing. I don't know. I live in Wisconsin and that's all I got. (laughs) It it is a thing. Um, I still, you know, I've, I've tried Googling it since we've moved here and no one really knows for sure um, where that comes from, but there's a movie. There's a movie. Yeah. Right. Right. Jenny's husband went to school at Purdue. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he says that Indiana people have always just been called Hoosiers. Nobody really knows why at all. And then the college team adopted that word after people already were called that. So So we believed him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, I think he's probably right. Um, But the movie Hoosiers, which, you know, chronicles a true story of a high school basketball team. Yeah. Um, just up the road from me. That's my little part. Wow. Of the school. Ooh, so cool. yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yes. But, but the point is, have yeah, there been what challenges? The <laughs> what is oh, the point? So, I was just getting <laughs> to the point challenges? where I was going to ask you to restate the question. So thank I'm gonna, you. <laughs> wait, I'm going to restate it. Have there been challenges through the years to the homeschooling freedom that y'all enjoy the Hoosiers? <laughs> <laughs> like trying to add regulation because since you are so low regulated. <laughs> Yeah. You know, always, there's always something there's always, um, you know, in part, a large part of it is also just, um, things that just happen and people, you just start giving in, you just start giving in. Like I just, I told you earlier, there's no registration for, um, homeschoolers in Indiana. Mm -hmm. There is an option to report enrollment, And so the Department of Education's website has a form that you can choose to report enrollment on. But what they do is they labeled it register your homeschool, which is not a legal term. Mm. (laughs) So just by practice over the years, there's been little things like that. Yeah. Um, You will occasionally see bills come up. But, you know, our organization has always had a good relationship um, with our elected officials. Mm. And I will say it goes back to the formation of our organization. So in 1983, which is really what is considered, you know, the rebirth um, of the modern homeschool movement was 1983. Mm -hmm. Lots of people from across the country were listening to different speakers. And um, we had couples here in Indiana that went to hear a session and they caught the con- the conviction to homeschool mm-hmm. and they came home and started a state organization. Well, they didn't realize that's what they were doing, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the couples, um, the husband's a judge. 
And so Judge Johnson and his wife, Joyce, are one of our founding couples. And when you get a judge in Indianapolis who basically (laughs) says this is legal and we're starting a organization and the Department of Education just says, "Okay," (laughs) they just you know, you had right from the beginning of our movement right here in Indianapolis a well-respected family who was, who was right there saying, um, this is legal. Okay. And we'll, we'll take all the homeschool questions. Like just wow. let's send them all our way. Wow. That's great. So, so they're not going to challenge the judge because he's, the judge. Yeah, the, he's judge. the judge. <laughs> so, um, and we really honor our founders. We're very grateful wow. that we've had, had a good relationship with the Johnsons over the years. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, Judge Johnson actually passed away back in December. So mm. I did, they're very near and dear to me. And I'm just yeah. very grateful for families like them that yeah. went out and stood out there from the beginning and mm. um, made it possible, made it possible for all of us. So um, also, you know, just to say, what are the threats? I think a lot of the threats are, um, you know, teachers unions don't like us. They don't mm-hmm. like our freedom. They don't like the fact that we have this much freedom to educate Mm -hmm. our children. Um, We will see things from um, a lot of false narratives out there that say, you know, homeschoolers are um, abusive. Mm -hmm. And we had a bill a couple of years ago that wanted to track the mortality rates of homeschool families. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Children that were homeschooled. Wow. Like nobody else, no other, mm. and there was nothing to base it on. Yeah. And yet you could go through and read the um, reports from child protective services of the child deaths, all child deaths, which is a horrific read. And yeah. I'm so grateful. I mean, yeah. Team members that are, that, you know, are willing to dive into this stuff. And yeah. it's just, it's just not true. That's yep. you know, false narratives yep. both in the media um, and everywhere else. So that, that is just one thing we see right now. What we see is a lot of the bigger threat, I think is trying to lure families in with money, with government money mm-hmm. and basically saying, well, if you come in, we're going to, yeah. you know, it's, it'll be like you're homeschooling, but you're yeah. not Yeah, yeah. tell everyone you're still homeschooling, but we're going to give you money and you're yeah. going to have to do all these tests. And, oh yeah. And by the way, you're, you're now under this regulation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tell the world you're homeschooling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, yikes. What yes. can parents do to combat against that kind of thing? You know, it's just, it is an education piece. Um, you know, we, we monitor bills like crazy. We have a great team that reads bills that watches bills. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's, you know, pay attention to your state organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about it being so different across the country, find your state organization. You can go to homeschoolfreedom.com mm-hmm. um, and find your state organization. And, and not every state has a state organization, but you yeah. can get connected <laughs> with someone and they are the ones reading all the bills. They are the boots on the ground um, in each state, speaking at the Capitol, speaking with legislators to stop these bills um, from moving forward mm-hmm. and support them, support their work. You can volunteer with your state organization. You can donate to your state organization mm-hmm. um, and educate other families as you become educated. Because yeah. I can only talk to so many people mm-hmm. and local right. leaders, local leaders need to know what's going on and they need to spread the information. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and I think that so many parents, especially these that are beginning because of this whole pandemic thing, I don't think people really realize the behind the scenes, right? Don't, and we all fall into the category of taking it for granted. You know, somebody else is going to do the work. I don't know any of the laws, but just tell me what I have to do. What forms do I need to fill out? What books should we read? You know, those types of things. But um, yeah, I mean, that's just great advice as to, and because you answered the question before I asked it, could you just say that nice and slow, just one more time, how can parents learn about state level homeschool organizations in their own state? That's yes. a big one. So homeschoolfreedom.com is a website that um, many of us state organizations work together on that we, you know, share information and you can find, there's a map on there. Mm-hmm. Um, go find your state organization and you just click on the map and get connected with your state organization that way. So, and I know when you're, in the trenches, it's hard because I could not process all of this information yeah. when I was still homeschooling. Right. It, you're just busy. You're busy, yep. busy, busy, but you still need to support your mm-hmm. state organization, either through membership, yeah. donations, volunteering, everybody's in a little different cycle of life. Mm-hmm. So just do what you can do what you can to be informed and share that information. Mm-hmm. And to wrap those two pieces together with the threats and finding your state organization, I want to <clears throat> back up to, um, you know, one threat that we were facing two years ago. And there are organizations, national organizations and national voices that want nothing more than to restrict and regulate homeschoolers. And so there was an event planned um, at Harvard. It was the Harvard summit. Oh, yes. So it was planned in 2020. And that was, you know, they had invited a select few of people, like-minded people who want to regulate homeschooling and they wanted to strategize how to pass more regulations. And of course it didn't happen because of the pandemic, but that didn't mean that those voices were silenced. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, kind of moved on. But so this past year, back in 20. Wow. 2021, right. It's mm-hmm. all right. Blur. Um, <laughs> in the summer, right. Summer of 2021. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there were other people who also, even though this was called the Harvard summit, it was just a handful of people at Harvard. So this past year, another group of people at Harvard decided <laughs> to arrange their own event ish, right. It was a virtual event. Tina, I know you watched them all as well. I would see you yes. in the chat. And I would (laughs) (laughs) try not to have an aneurysm when somebody said something really horrible, (laughs) but they did. It was seven weeks of um, hour long webinars where they brought together a bunch of researchers and different voices and they would tackle questions, um, you know, about homeschooling. And so they did do that for seven weeks. And then we as state leaders on homeschoolfreedom.com, we did a response. We did a response video. So you can find that on homeschoolfreedom.com. And it really is worth taking the time to look at. So Mm -hmm. seven hours of researchers and seven hours of responses, 
don't binge it. That's boring. <laughs> but yeah. you, if you're looking for um, what are the critics saying, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe you have critics in your own family who don't yeah. think that homeschooling was a good idea yeah. and you want to know how to counter some of their arguments yeah. or some of their critiques of what you're doing. That page is a great resource for you. And you can find the argument, what I'll call the myth of against homeschooling <laughs> or what were they trying to talk about and find the response. Yeah. And we had state leaders offering responses and Brian Ray of Neary, um, HSLDA participated with us. Dr. Jay Weil participated with us. So it's actually kind of fun just to counter, you know, tear apart their different. Yeah. So that that's sounds great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that's a good way to support the, the veterans, those of you who are running organizations and also to educate yourself. And I mean, why not just say, you know, while I wash dishes or something, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to learn while I'm doing some of those other daily tasks. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What nugget of general advice, Tara, would you give to young homeschooling families, those in the throes of the homeschool years? You know, I think that probably one of the biggest lessons that if I had learned it earlier, this is what would have helped me is it's not school at home, Mm. right? I mean, this, it is a lifestyle. It is not grabbing a textbook and answer key and sitting your child at a desk. Mm -hmm. Some people have great school rooms and you do need a dedicated space, but don't try to mimic school at home. Mm -hmm. And that was the mistake we made. And, and it was a lot to do with the fact that we were jumping in, in middle school. So my daughter also had, I mean, she had her notions of what a day looked like. So she brought her expectations and I had my little expectations, (laughs) but, um, you know, many families obviously were thrown into it in the middle somewhere because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I think the older your kids are, the harder it is to learn that lesson. Um, when your kids are little, hopefully you learn it faster because you realize that learning can happen anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of the couch and some good books (laughs) and sunny days and get outside. Yeah. Can't even be stated enough. I mean, (laughs) we say it, we say it, I don't know how many times, a thousand billion times to everybody we meet, but it's so true. It is. And you know, it's because we, you know, it's our insecurities. Like, this is what I know. I went to school. I, this must work. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we forget that it's about relationship with our kids first. Well, first of all, the relationship with the Lord and then our relationship with them. And that's the primary thing, right? The academics fall into place. If you're building relationship with them and getting to know who they are wired to be each of them. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, every, individual has God-given gifts and they're all different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Do you ladies have any parting thoughts or anything? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so either. I think it was well said, all of it. Well, it was a lot of fun, if nothing else. (laughs) It was so good, Tara, meeting you. I feel like we know each other. Well, we but do now. We do yeah. now. We do. Someday you'll see me. I'll have the nails. Who knows? Oh, you guys! If you could see Tara's nails, they're so nice. We can paint a picture for them. They're lovely turquoise color. Lovely turquoise yeah. blue. Turquoise, blue. and they apparently stay on for six weeks at a crack. 
I don't know. Well, they, they do. They don't crack. They, do. they don't the crack. <laughs> They're not intended to, but yeah. it, in my budget, four to six weeks is really good. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for um, listening. If you've listened this far, we want you to know, you heard it here, that you are the absolute best model of learning for your children. I hope you believe it and believe it and believe it. See you next time.